What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Pirates or Locked On Yankees podcast today here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where we should be your first listen every single day. Of course, if you're a Pirates fan, Locked On Pirates, you know where to find me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan and at Locked On Pirates. And to my right is Miss Stacy Gatsoulias or Stay Scots, as she likes to go by, or Staceball. You know, there's a lot of different names that... <laughs> Stace decides to go by over there at the Locked On Yankees podcast. You can find her on all that social media and find both of these podcasts on Spotify, Odyssey, Twitter, Google Play, wherever you find them, YouTube, all that good stuff. But very uh, not often that these two teams get to play. Now, of course, next year that'll change. They're all going to be playing all the time. It's going to be one of the it's going to be super weird next year, especially for the Locked On like podcast network for MLB because we're all going to be able to do a crossover, which is very weird. Yeah. But normally here on both sides, we don't usually get to talk too often about these two teams actually playing each other. And it's a little bittersweet tonight as well, because Jamison Tyone will be making his first start against the Pittsburgh Pirates since that vaunted trade that kind of started the uh, fire sale that the Pirates had going there that off season with Musgrove, Tyone and Josh Bell. But kind of enlightened Pirates fans, we all know the Yankees have the best record in baseball, but what has made them so successful and our former Pirates a big reason for that? Oh, yes. Um, the Yankees in 2022 are doing things that they couldn't do in 2021. If the starters are kind of iffy and they have kind of a questionable start, the offense will back them up. Or like Tyone's last start, he gave up three runs right away. But that's all he did. And he kept himself in the game and he kept the Yankees in the game and they were able to come back and win the game. Um, the Yankees bullpen, considering the injuries that they've had, have been it's been a strength. And that's big reason is Clay Holmes. Sorry, Pirates fans, but it's true. Um, <laughs> and Jameson Tyone, you know, he's doing a lot better this year than last season lasting longer in games although he's fallen back a little bit lately I'll get into that in a bit when we talk about it but yeah he's having a much better season this season I believe it's because he's feeling a little more comfortable as a Yankee you know I I attributed 2021 to the whole adjusting to be being a Yankee and the growing pains thing plus he was coming back from injury mm-hmm. um you know we weren't expecting him to be you know like really good right out of the gate and he's slowly built himself up but you know the Yankees are uh doing really well with him starting um he's nine and one he's I think he was leading the league with wins at one point and they're 13 and two when he starts so (laughs) that sounds pretty awesome to me now one thing that I did see that I thought that was kind of I don't want to say hilarious but it was definitely eye-opening about this team is you brought up the offense and of course both teams have their lineup cards out today And the lineup card for the Yankees, of course, which features most names that people would know, LeMayhew, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Torres, Donaldson, Hicks, Trevino, and Connor Falefa, not one of those guys is hitting over 300. Right. That is wild. (laughs) Yeah. Because on the other side, the Pirates also have nobody hitting over 300. So a lot of this game is very interesting because going into the series, which two-game series, is this really going to affect either team moving forward? Probably not. It's an interleague series. It's a kind of stopover for the Yankees. Oddly enough, both of these teams were off yesterday on July 4th, which was very 
awkward because I do believe they were the only two teams off on July 4th, which is something baseball should moving forward should be marketing a lot more than they are. But it's also interesting that the Pirates have Quintana on the mound tonight, and you have a lineup that actually has experience against Quintana. Rizzo, of course, 3-for-12 against them. Donaldson, 6-for-15. Aaron Hicks, 2-of-13. Trevino, 1-of-1. Connor Falefa, 0-of-6. So, again, you brought up that when the pitching staff doesn't do well, the offense picks up. What has been some of the downfalls for this Yankees team, though, that have resulted in the 22 losses that they have, which at this point in the season is ridiculously good, obviously, but (laughs) it's still 22 losses and they had to happen some way. And we're not going to bring up the one team that's kind of been the thorn in the side to the Yankees all year. Right. Although the Astros aren't really beating up on them. It's just, you know, their pitching is shutting down the offense, but they're not winning by a lot. And the two games that the Yankees beat the Astros, they embarrassed the Astros' bullpen. So just want to get that out there for people who are probably thinking, oh, the Astros always have the Yankees number. Yeah, but they are pretty even. It's not a Yankees-Twins situation like over the last 20 years where the Yankees have just absolutely owned the Twins. It's something completely different. Um, What was the question? I'm sorry. I just totally got off on a tangent. Like what has been like the Yankees' downfall that possibly the Pirates being the team they are again on paper? This is pretty easily to see that the Yankees are a better team. But what can the Pirates use to their advantage against the Yankees to make this a competitive series? Hmm. Well, um, you know, sometimes the offense can be shut down. You know, Cleveland did it the other day. It didn't help that Aaron Boone sat Aaron Judge and DJ LeMahieu before an off day for some unknown reason. I have no idea because the Yankees do really well with DJ LeMahieu leading off and Aaron Judge in number two spot. But, you know, uh, it felt like a Boone 2021 move on Sunday, and I wasn't very happy about that. But... They shouldn't have lost with two guys out of the lineup when they had the rest of them in. Um, But, you know, sometimes the offense gets shut down and sometimes it seems like they're all not hitting at the same time. And then there's also the times where they all seem like they're hitting at the same time. So I think it's you got to shut down the offense to win. I think that's it, because the pitching... Like I said, even if the starters are iffy, the bullpen will come in. You know, you have these guys that are coming out of nowhere. Um, Ryan Weber, um, J.P. Sears, you know, guys that the Yankees are just bringing in to, you know, either be a six starter or come in as a long man who are shutting people down. And it just it feels like one of those years that whenever they plug someone in, it seems to be working out. And that was similar to 2019 when the Yankees had all those injuries and they literally had 30 guys on the IL, but they still won 103 games. And it feels like that sort of a season. So, yeah, I think the key is to shut down the offense. Yeah. And that's kind of what Jose Quintana has done a pretty good job with the guy the Yankees will be facing tonight. But I think this is a little more interesting considering the fact that the Yankees for what seems like the first time in a very long time, don't have a, left-handed hitter really in the lineup outside of if I'm just and I might misspeak here I know Rizzo is a lefty LeMahieu is a righty correct yep so you have Judge who's a righty Stanton who's a righty Torres is a righty Donaldson is a righty Hicks yep. is a righty so Hicks for is a, a switch hitter yeah so a righty in this event because yeah. with Quintana being a left-handed pitcher I don't know if that happens tonight. That's very scary, especially in, to me with PNC Park being a mainly hitter-friendly ballpark. I would look, if you're sitting in left field in PNC Park tonight, if Jose Quintana isn't on his game, which he has been. I mean, his ERA is very comparable to Tyone, and a lot of his statistics are as well, besides the um, the walk number being much higher. 
But if he's not on, if you're in left field, hopefully you brought your glove. Uh, but with that said, we're going to get more into Jamison Tyone and his kind of reign of terror that he's had in New York that resulted in a trade with a couple players for the Pirates who are making moves. But before I do that, I want to let everyone know about the wonderful people over at Blue Nile. We are introducing BlueNile.com here at the Locked On Podcast Network. It is the original online jeweler. And of course, we're looking to get people engaged or gift find jewelry to visit that website and you know you got to go find them and you got to do these things at bluenile.com you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler blue nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape size and clarity as well as setting style blue nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring which of course means each ring is one of a kind a lot like a world series ring something the pirates haven't had since 79 are you looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing well blue nile has jewelry experts on hand 24 7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget to make your moment sparkle with jewelry from blue nile and locked on pirates and yankees listeners get 50 dollars off purchases of 500 dollars or more of course this is a podcast exclusive that includes engagement so you have to make sure you go use that code locked on that's code locked on plus every order is insured ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside shop stress-free and find your forever peace and go to BlueNile.com today comparing these two teams and rings i think we know who wins that one stace uh but james italian again i mean with the numbers here are those numbers that could be cy young numbers i mean i know there's a lot of good people in the american league there are yeah yeah there are a lot there are a lot of strong pitchers in the al it's kind of um, kind of scary, actually, some of the yeah. guys that um, are at the top of the rotation on all these different teams. Um, you know, you have McClanahan for the Rays. You have Manoa um, for the Blue Jays. You even have Gossman for the Blue Jays. Like, you know, you can even look at Cole. Cole's not doing bad. Nestor Cortez was doing really good, but he's fallen off a bit. He had a good start in his last start, though. He rebounded a bit. Um, yeah, there are a lot of good guys in the AL pitching. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, and that's the thing that's also crazy about what this Yankees team has been able to do, and it's something that I think the Pirates should aspire to do whenever they do get back into this contention window. You look at the starting rotation the Yankees have built, and from my knowledge, because again, I will be honest here and be very transparent, I do not watch that many Yankees games. I just know they have the best record in baseball, and they're torching teams. That's all I know. (laughs) Um, But... From what I know, you're sporting Cole, Severino, Talio, Montgomery, and Cortez, right? Yep. That's, I mean, I hear about all the numbers about how good they've been ERA-wise and all this other stuff. But Talio in specific, of course, tonight is going to be a little bit heartwarming for Pirates fans just because of the idea. It's his first start since he got traded. He was kind of a fan favorite while he was here. He had his injury history while he was here, but... The return for Jamison Tyone, which I've talked about at length on this podcast plenty of times, features some pretty good players on the Pirates right now. 
uh, Rolante Contreras, of course, kind of being the guy that's cemented himself the most. Um, Kanan Smith and Jigba had a small stint up here before he actually got hurt and might be out for the year. Yahure has been up and down. And um, Mike Heliscato is still pretty far away. But as you see in the graphics, Contreras and Tyone, which is very upsetting because I wish they would have got to face each other tonight. But for the Pirates, looking at what the Yankees model is now, of course, the CBA didn't fix anything. So the Pirates can't perfectly use the Yankees model. But if they were to try to mold this model that the Yankees have built where strong pitching, good relief pitching, Offense heats up when it needs to. How do you think that comes along for a team that's loaded in the farm system right now? Thanks to a lot of former Yankees. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, For the Yankees, it's the strong pitching. They also made the defense a lot better, and they're preventing runs uh, by a way bigger margin than they were last season, which also helps them with, you know, how big their – what's it called? Why can't I think of it? Um, the differential, the run differential, their, their run differential is like way higher than anyone else in baseball right now. Um, and when you mentioned the, uh, rotation, it's kind of funny because coming into the season, a lot of people were joking that it would be Garrett Cole and then Jordan Montgomery, Jamison Tyone, and then whoever (laughs) people were like, yeah, okay. It's not going to be a good rotation. It's not going to be strong at all. And I don't know. It's just very strange watching this team. I still don't feel comfortable. I know everyone makes fun of me because they're 58 and 22, and I still don't feel comfortable with this team because it just, I don't understand how it's happening, even though I watch basically every game. Um, I think, I think pitching and defense is really important for a team because they always say pitching and defense wins championships. And so far this season, the pitching and the defense are helping to prevent the other team from scoring runs and having the offense helps, but on the nights when the offense is kind of dormant, the pitching is the reason why they're winning. So, well, and that's not to like, sorry, I'll let you finish first. Uh, But basically what the pirates have had an issue with, and you're bringing that up, which is great because this is what I would say should be the Yankees keys to win is just be the Yankees first of all. (laughs) But also, I mean, you look at what the pirates have been doing over the last say five or 10 games no runs scored on uh, Sunday. Seven runs on Saturday. Very nice. They lose 19-2 to two on Friday, which that happens like every two weeks. Right. Um, they scored eight runs, eight runs. But before that, I mean, this team consistently scores five runs or less, mm-hmm. which is also very funny because I read a statistic the other day, which obviously has changed since because I haven't read it since. They're 20-6 and six in games they out-hit their opponent. So they run into the right – the the right Yankees team in their favor or the offense is quiet. They have a good chance to win here. Sure. But it's also hard when you're not out hitting your opponent. I mean, I mentioned they out hit their opponent and they were 20 and six. That means at this point in the season, you've only out hit your opponent 26 times. Yeah. And we're at the halfway point of the year, which for you to bash on the Yankees is fine. I mean, it's kind of just, the nature of Yankees baseball, in my opinion. That's just how it is. There's always something going on. For Pirates fans, bashing is just normal. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this team's where we expected them to be. They're 32 and 47. At one point, they were well above average, well above where they needed to be. And I think it's very fun to consider, though, that on Wednesday, 
Mitch Keller will also be pitching against Severino, who's a guy that, again, the Pirates have had a lot to look forward to. But, you know, one thing I want to bring up before we bring up a super fun thing that I'm going to talk about is we already know Brian Reynolds and the guy he is and the trade value and, you know, like all this. I, from being the host of this podcast, will tell you more than likely it will not happen. Right. But if it's going to happen, the Yankees do have a farm system that is top heavy that could get the deal done. So this is like what I will ask you because it's something I saw floated around and there was very mixed reviews on it. This is not my opinion. This is something that I saw that I'm just bringing up the States. Okay. Before you guys attack me and say that I would do this because I'm not saying I would or wouldn't do it. I'm just asking her. Say the pirates do make Reynolds available and the Yankees call or the Pirates call and say, we want Volpe and um, Dominguez. What do the Yankees do in this situation? Mm, I don't think they would. You do not think the Yankees would? No. So you want to know what's wild about me bringing that up. <laughs> Last year when everybody was saying that he was going to get traded, and this year when people are still saying he's going to get traded, that is their asking price. Right. They want two top 100 prospects and an MLB-ready player. So me just asking you for Volpe and Dominguez is underselling based right. off of what they want to do. Yeah. So that's just proof. And I'm sure Yankees fans have them on the radar. I see it all the time. They're like, oh, yeah, we can do this and this and this or trade our number five or number six prospect. I'm like, it's not going to happen. And I, only, and I say that because, you know, the Yankees didn't go after someone like Correa or Story or nope. Seager or Simeon, anyone, because they went after Kiner Falefa as a stopgap kind of a guy because they're waiting for Volpe. Mm -hmm. So why would they get rid of him after all that? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, and Kiner Falefa, all the fun stuff, all the fun name and everything. I don't know how good he is. Uh, I guess I'll find out. He's, in these two he's games. fine. You know, he's made some mistakes in the field, but he, you know, he wasn't a shortstop at first. He's only really been doing it for the past couple of seasons. And, you know, he's one of those, he's one of those players who will make like a tremendous play and you're like, Ooh, and then he'll make, you know, like two mistakes compared mm -hmm. to the tremendous play. It's almost like watching Gio Urshela play because Yankee fans have this pinstriped vision of Gio Urshela being the best third baseman ever, but he was fine. You know, it wasn't he, he was fine. And I feel like it's the same with Kiner Falefa. He's not going to hit 500 foot home runs like Judge. He'll occasionally get a hit that helps win a game or helps tie a game. And that's perfectly fine. He's not useless. He's just not what the Yankee fans would have He's wanted for shortstop. Story. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Pretty much. Yeah. And also one of the big surprises, and I'll ask you from an outsider's point of view as well, that it looks like, of course, we know Judge is going to be an all star. Um, but it also appears Jose Trevino might end up being an all-star, which before the season, a lot he of people didn't even Yankee. Even think, yeah, he wasn't <laughs> even a Yankee, and a lot of people didn't have him on the radar. So who do you think on this Pirates team should be an all-star for the National League facing off against Judge and the Yankees in the American League? Who is – are they – are there people – because I – I'm not paying attention much to the all-star thing yet. I just know that judge went in and Stanton and Trevino need votes, but I didn't even look at the NL. So I have, are, are there, the, do you have candidates there? The NL is more than likely going to end up just because of how stacked it is in the positions where we have guys that could get in. 
are kind of loaded. So it's going to probably be one of those. Every team gets one. So it's going to be like, Oh, here you go. Um, Reynolds started off slow. So he's only batting 253. Hayes isn't batting well enough to outbeat Arenado and Machado. Right. Um, so I would say it's probably going to be David Bednar just because he's been automatic for most of the year outside of his last appearance against the Rays. But Ben Sherrington or not Ben Sherrington, Derek Shelton is also managing his arm terribly. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I'd say it's either going to be Reynolds, Hayes, or Bednar. I don't see another guy on this team that it would be yet. Of course, people would joke about O'Neill Cruz, and that is where me and Stace are going to have a very fun conversation about two six foot seven giants being on the field at the same exact time this week. Uh, but before we get into that, if you need to make your car bigger because you're six foot seven and hit bombs. Make sure you go to rockauto.com. This episode, of course, is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using rock auto and why choose to spend 30 or even a hundred percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store while on rock auto it's $216 rock auto is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years and rock auto prices are reliably low for every customer. And they have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I am not Sully and not doing the jingle. rockauto.com So, he's already getting the comparisons. For whatever reason, I don't know, because they're not the same player. They're very different players. But O'Neill Cruz has finally made his debut, much to my happiness, and much to the dismay of 95% of Pirates fans who don't pay attention, they would say he's having a very slow start, which, shocker, he's a rookie. This is the yeah. most time he's ever gotten up here. He's batting 204 with three home runs right now and 54 at-bats. Is that a benchmark to what O'Neill Cruz is going to be? Probably not. Uh, shout out to my uncle Brad, who I know listens to this podcast. I said O'Neill Cruz will look phenomenal in pinstripes in three years. Um, <laughs> anyways, it's very interesting to bring up these two because I believe I would assume this would be the first time that two six foot seven position players will be on the field with each other at the same time. I would think so. Um, but is Aaron Judge also, and this is getting more into Yankees talk. So for my Pirates fans. If it bothers you, just giving you a warning. Is Aaron Judge really have a competitor for American League MVP at this point, or is it almost a foregone conclusion already? Because, I mean, I see that he is on pace with 29 home runs and 59 RBIs for a well over 100 RBIs, almost breaking the single-season home run record on pace. Not saying it's going to happen, but, I mean, is anybody even touching him over there? Like, is it even close 
Um, I would say Shohei Otani again, just because he's picked things up hitting-wise and pitching-wise. And I almost feel like it's sort of unfair to the rest of the guys in the AL because who can compete with someone who pitches and hits at a high level at the same time? Um, you know, if the writers want to do something different this year, then they may give it to Judge. Um, but, yeah, no, I feel like Shohei Otani is a threat there again. You know, he's just amazing, really. Um it's not that easy to do what he's doing, especially in this climate. You know, it's not like 100 years ago. It's completely different. And yeah. guys are throwing much harder. They're much bigger, like we're talking about with these big guys. Um, Could you, you imagine know, Aaron Judge and O'Neill Cruz playing in the 1920s? No. It, it, it would be wild. And like, Babe you know, the pitchers, too. Yeah. You know, because I, I spoke about this on my show with, um, I don't mean to name drop, I'm so sorry, but I spoke about this with David Cohn last year, and I said, you know, Randy Johnson was like, almost like a, a, not a weirdo, but it was like, whoa, he's 6'10". Like, this is so odd, but he was a pitcher. And it's more, I feel like it's normal to see a pitcher be tall now because, I mean, Glass now is tall. Batances was tall. Andrew Miller, my God, his legs look never ending. You see all these like six foot five and up pitchers. But when you see a guy in the field, in the infield at six foot seven, it's like, Oh my God, what is happening here? It's like they're grown in a lab, these guys. They're all just so big. And so, you know, I I just picture O'Neill Cruz standing next to like Phil Rizzuto and I laugh my butt off because, you know, Phil Rizzuto is like 5'5 at his best, you know? And it's just so funny to think about that. Like seeing O'Neill Cruz next to Jose Altuve, basically. Yeah, and we will get to see that next year, which will be very funny, I think. Um, But also what's wild about it, too, you brought up the infield thing, and one of his biggest gripes was O'Neill Cruz can't field. He's had his minor issues, but he's looked fine. And if he can figure it out, a six foot seven shortstop that knows how to field, yeah, good luck hitting anything over there, especially with a guy who leads the entire MLB in defensive run saved and key Brian Hayes right now. That's a deathly combo. I mean, it really is. And comparing Cruz to anybody at this point is just kind of hard to do. One, because he's been up here for 54 combined at-bats. He already has the highest exit velocity, highest sprint speed, and highest thrown ball by a position player on the Pirates this season. That all happened in the first game he was here. Right. So, it's. I mean, he can only go up from here. But, again, and this is something that I'm sure stays could outline in Pirates fans, rookies abound for the Pirates right now, yes, but None of these guys come up, even for the Yankees, and it might seem like it, but even for the Yankees with these young guys that they bring up, don't expect Anthony Volpe to come up here and just kill the ball immediately when he gets up here. Not everybody is Mike Trout. Not everybody is Aaron Judge. Even go look at Aaron Judge's rookie season. It was nice. It was cool. But it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for Aaron Judge in his rookie year. He had a really good rookie year. I'm not going to discount it at all, but he wasn't like, crazy in his rookie year i wouldn't say right i mean not everybody is like a wander franco who's getting a 10 million dollar contract as soon as he comes up well which is not how it is i mean judges well his technical rookie year was 2017 and you know he finished second to jose altuve yeah <laughs> that i mean it was a 52 home year. runs uh but he also had 208 strikeouts but i will say this since he started being a regular he's had the most calls outside the strike zone against him because the ump still 
cannot Tatum. figure out the low strike on Aaron Judge. And Aaron Boone had had it this weekend and snapped finally. It was like, you should have done this a few seasons ago, but thank you for sticking up for him. Because, I mean, is that happening to Cruz or no? Because it feels like... It happens to Aaron Judge nightly where they call a ball at his shins or his ankle a strike. <laughs> well, there was a game a few days ago in the Brewers series. It was the game we won 8-7, to seven, I believe, because there was this weird thing where Hoy Park, former Yankee, yes. got thrown out at third, but Sawinski had already touched home on a sack fly, so it was the fourth out rule. Um, the umpire in that game was just all over the place, and when mm. Cruz came to bat, it didn't seem like he knew what to call. Um, but it's also very interesting with Cruz, though, because Cruz, and if you look up videos afterward with this, even for anybody listening to this, I mean, you look at what he was doing in AAA, the dude was literally golfing balls out of the out of the dirt and hitting them 430 feet. I mean, yeah. so at that point, I could see calling strikes on the guy, but again, a six foot seven frame, I mean, you have to keep in mind that most of the time the strike zone is to your knee to where I have my hand right here. Like kind of like below that little area where the bone is on. But like, they don't whatever. even call that. Like they, they'll call up to, I mean, if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm basically holding my hand to my waist. Like that's like a high pitch now. I don't understand. Yeah. You know, it doesn't well, help that... that umps have different zones. It mm -hmm. doesn't help that they put the K zone on TV. I feel like that also doesn't really help because then that makes no. people crazy because they can see how bad the umps are. At least when the box wasn't there, you kind of know, but now you really know that they're... Well, the Pirates actually don't have the K-Zone on theirs. Uh, they Well, they do sometimes and most of the time, but there are times randomly where it kind of phases out. But it does make it kind of annoying, though, because it's a lot like when you're watching football, the first down marker is there on the TV, but it's not perfect. It's not lined up. So then you get into a game of inches where you're this far away from a first down and everybody on the TV is like, well, this was a first down. Yeah. But then you see in real time that the, the marker was a little bit this way or a little bit that way. And that's what's going to be very interesting for Judge and Cruz as well with the robotic umpires coming pretty soon, which at this point I think is just a foregone conclusion. Yeah. How do you create a robotic strike? How do you create an automated strike zone for two guys that are six foot seven? And I mean, someone it, like Jose Altuve, who's 5'5". Five five. Like, yeah. you have such a range of, you know, at least we don't have pitchers batting anymore, uh, unless they want to, like Otani and some of the guys who decide to, like D-Rob did the other day in the Cubs game because he wanted to have it bad. But I, I don't know how, how they're going to do wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. How does that work with a DH? Like, are they just a designated DH at that point? They just swap the DH out for the pitcher? I believe so. And. Yeah, because D-Rob wanted the chance. He had never had a chance to bat ever in his career. And, you know, D-Rob's getting old. He was, you know, like a rookie with the 2009 Yankees. So he's getting up yeah. there. And he was probably like, this is my chance to do this. And, yeah, he wasn't not going to swing. And he just, you know, swung at pitches that he probably shouldn't have. But he was just so excited to be in the box. And I feel like that that should be an option. Like, if a pitcher wants to hit and they think they can, I think a manager should yeah. let them do it. I mean, if it's like 19 to like two, yeah. like the Pirates game was the other day, who really cares? You're yeah. throwing position players out there to pitch. Which is happening so much more often now. Yeah. And well, Pirates fans right now want to see O'Neill Cruz do it so bad because the dude literally can throw like 100 miles per hour. Now, is he going to do it accurately in a pitching motion? I was just going to say, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? He yeah. might. But uh, I mean, the guy can do a lot of different things. But Stace, final series prediction here. I kind of already know you're prediction probably but it's a two-game series 
What do you think happens? Do we think we see two competitive games? Do the Yankees just kind of handle business? How do you think this goes for both teams? I don't. I don't know um, because I could see it going either way. I could see the Yankees coming out and kicking butt because they were rested and, you know, especially DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge, they were rested two days. And I'll call a split. A split? I mean, my only reasoning for saying that this is going to be a split is because of the team you happen to play after us, which is the Red Sox. I know it's a middle of the season kind of thing, but this is also kind of where I think these two games are just in the Yankees head, like whatever we play the Boston Red Sox this weekend. <laughs> That's just me. That's just how I view it. So a split wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think if the Pirates are going to win one, I think tonight is the best chance to do it. Yeah. Uh, even despite Quintana having to face that lineup, he's just been more efficient than Keller. I think a lot, I know it's a lot of newer players, but most of these guys were still here when Tyone was here. So I think, familiarity there i do think these are both going to be low scoring games that is just how i think this is going to go like five four three two kind of deal Mm -hmm. uh but i do think a split is possible if it was me betting my money on it the yankees are sweeping but also (laughs) that wouldn't make me any money but with that said stacy what do you have planned for the rest of your week over at locked on yankees of course i bring up the fact that you guys are playing the red Sox, so maybe you and lauren campbell will be spicing things up on the Locked On Podcast Network for baseball's best rivalry. Yeah, we haven't spoken in a while because the Yankees and Red Sox literally have not played since opening weekend, which it shouldn't have been opening weekend, but it was because of the lockout and the schedule is very strange. The Yankees and Red Sox are completely backloaded. You know, the Yankees have already played the Jays 12 times and the Orioles 13 times. So, yeah, it's a very strange schedule and it's four games in Fenway I'm not ready for it but you know we'll see how we do so (laughs) it's going to be that this week and anything else that happens if you know they work out some sort of deal for Joey Gallo or something who knows you know we'll be looking Joey Gallo the Yankee fans want to unload on him like unload uh, yeah I know I feel like he would yeah yeah I feel like that could actually work oh stick him in right field I'd take, I'd take, I would take Joey Gallo in right field or stick him at first base. We need a first baseman. They just brought yeah. back Yoshi Sutsugo. Yeah. His bat, his bat in Pittsburgh, I'll take the strikeouts. I don't care. Yeah. He, 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 you know how many balls he'd probably hit into the Allegheny River in a full season in Pittsburgh? I really feel like, yeah, I, I'm disappointed that it didn't work out for him. I'm kind of disappointed because he wasn't expected to be the guy. He's on a no. team with lots of the guys that are in a lineup, and I feel like he's just putting way too much pressure on himself. And I feel like if he goes to a team like the Pirates, yes, he'll be hitting yeah. many balls. But I wouldn't roll out him going back to Texas either. True. That's true, because the Yankees like to work out with Texas and work out with the Pirates, so it's kind of... Yeah, we actually made a trade the other day, and I couldn't tell you who it was for and what it was for. Manny Banuelos. You got Manny Banuelos. Oh, yeah, for uh, the ever-taunted cash considerations. Yeah, cash considerations. He's a pretty good pitcher. Cash considerations has a pretty good ERA in single A. I'm not going to lie to you. But with that (laughs) said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out these respective podcasts. Also, go check out Locked on MLB Prospects. It is draft season. It's a little later than this year because they're having it at the All-Star break this year, which I think is an awesome idea. The Pirates, of course, have the number four pick. The Yankees are somewhere back there in the 20s, in the 20s as they usually are. But Lindsey Crosby's your guy to go do uh, through all that. I believe he's starting his mock draft pretty soon. I will be getting into that stuff soon as well. Uh, hashtag Brooks Lee season. But we'll see what happens. With that said, Pirates, Yankees in about a couple hours here as soon as these come up. And PNC Park, of course, 
beautiful ballpark as well. These teams will see each other later in the year, so that means you'll probably see me and Stacey later in the year. With that said, guys, thank you so much, and I will see you on the flip side.